Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. Not beside me because we are not in the same room is Matt Harmon working his tail off in the office. My apologies is Brett Rader. Um, so it's Labor Day. We had pre-recorded a show on Friday. Um, the football god said, nah, we ain't going to let that slide. And so we are now doing a little bit of an emergency open to the show to catch up everyone up on all of the drama that ensued over the weekend while everyone was barbecuing and marinating in all sorts of juices. Matt, how are you? My weekend's been great. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, I mean, it was it was a flurry of news, you know, that came down pretty much the last couple of days. And it's pretty, tr- pretty bold to try to get a podcast in uh, during, you know, roster cutdown day. But th- we are a bold group and uh, I'm ready to now, you know, I've digested all the news. As you said, I've let it marinate and I have a lot of opinions, of course, on everything that's happened. Of course, I'm, I'm stunned. It's almost as if we had the hubris of one Melvin Gordon. We won't talk about that running back potentially holding out. Well, definitely holding out. We're going to talk about Zeke Elliott because... My gosh, it has been um, a back and forth of emotion for anyone who has already drafted Zeke on Saturday or Friday. Yeah, Saturday, things were looking optimistic, but now he's floating in the multiverse between states of being signed, not signed, reportedly close to signing, things coming to a screeching halt. Uh, our own Charles Robinson said that things were moving along nicely, and then boom, people got all, people got their feelings a little bit hurt, and um Things are now again at a standstill. So, Matt, before all of this back and forth news, I think you and I were both on the same page saying we believed that Zeke was going to get something done. But just in case, go ahead and get yourself some Tony Pollard. The Cowboys have an easy opening schedule. Even if not everything is tied up with Zeke nicely, Tony should be able to succeed given the ease of the schedule. Um, are you still on that page? I mean, basically when people are hearing this, like unless you've got a Wednesday draft, you're stuck with what you got, you're stuck with. Yeah. Unless you're in our listener league draft, which hasn't drafted yet, uh, then you're, then you're probably already done with your, uh, your whole selection process. Dodged a bullet there. Yeah, for real. Um, so o- overall, like, yeah, if you've got Zeke now, you're probably already pretty much prepared for this. And I guess now the question just has to be, when is he actually going to show up? It's like you said, Charles uh, Robinson says that, you know, the Cowboys were frustrated by the last exchange. Um, Jane Slater from NFL Network said the deal's, you know, quote, not close. So right now, as we sit here in this exact moment, you know, things are very negative. But, it, you know, just a couple of days ago, 
things were super positive. So uh, overall, like this is going to go one way or the other. And I think you just kind of have to be mentally prepared that Zeke's not going to be out there week one or certainly is not going to be out there, you know, kind of in full force. I think we saw this. You know, but again, with, when you look at the schedule, I mean, a, a Zeke at 70 percent, which is basically Tony Pollard, um, <laughs> is going to do just fine. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I mean, it's the type of thing that if he's out there, it's going to be one of those situations where the people who are, have a lot of opinions about the start your studs uh, methodology are going to be, you know, you can't just roll them out there. It, you know, it's it's not it's not going to be great, all this sort of stuff. But I mean, we've seen. Even with like Le'Veon Bell when he held out last time and eventually reported not like 2018 where he was completely out of the mix, um, you know he he went out there in Week One against Cleveland and he had just 13 touches. I think you should be prepared for something like that with Ezekiel and he rushes 10 times for 32 yards, three catches for 15 yards. But then of course Week Two he comes out gets 27 carries, catches four passes. So like it, it could be just one a one week situation, a one week blip. But just be prepared for that. And, and, and when over- Matt says be prepared for that, sorry to interrupt you, sweetheart. Yeah. Um, but when Matt says be prepared for that, I think what I am taking away is work your flex. Look at your roster construction. You reach for that upside. If you are gonna if if Zeke is gonna start week one, then you are gonna look at your flex position and you are gonna reach for that higher ceiling guy. You're not gonna reach for your floor play if you're adding another wide receiver which is generally the way to go in your in your flex or what your roster construction is going to probably make you do. So again, reach for your upside if you are starting him. If you have other options and you went running back heavy, congratulations, do that instead. Yeah, I think that's a great point. If you just reach for that ceiling with your flex and, you know, be prepared. Emotion, I'm, I'm saying like emotionally, spiritually, mentally, be prepared for a slower week and then you'll be fine. Life's oh all about setting expectations. And also just don't catch feelings about week one. Don't catch feelings in general. Um, Let's move on to other crazy stuff. And also, hey, you guys, we know the sound quality is not going to be awesome, right? There's going to be a change in sound quality in turn. To Matt's point about setting expectations, don't at me about us sounding like we're in some sort of phone booth or underwater or whatever. I don't even know phone booths, by the way, if you can at me and reference phone booths, then congratulations, you're multi-generational. But also... Like we we get it right. This is not ideal. We are trying to give you the best product possible. The sound quality will be back up to snuff on our next pod. So that is just a mea culpa from Brett and the rest of us. All right. So Matt, did anything else stick out to you from this weekend of weird trades and cuts that you? I mean, let's should we just go to go to Houston because my God, Bill O'Brien yeah. was certainly having himself <laughs> a hot girl summer drinking rosé all damn day this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the Texans obviously stick out. They talk about a real actual flurry of moves. And this was I, – I love it, though. From I mean, from a pure, pro, a pure front office perspective, it's a lot, right? Like you said, Bill O'Brien is out there having his own version of a hot girl summer in the full driver's seat of this – I don't know. where I don't know where the hell this bus is going, but at least I think from a fantasy perspective, this offense is now really stocked with a lot of interesting options. I mean, the Jadevian Clowney trade is a real – bummer for Houston. I think that they totally got taken for a ride there. Seattle comes out looking good. But from the rest of it, I mean, Laramie Tunsil, they do pay a king's ransom to get him. But that theoretically solves a huge, potentially mm-hmm. offense-sinking issue at the left tackle spot. Um, you know, Kenny Stills brings another dimension to 
an offense that already has a lot of vertical speed. I mean, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is not a speed threat, but he can get vertical because of his sideline ability. You know, Will Fuller, I've been really in on Will Fuller all draft season, and I think I still am because this offense I just think is really going to be maximized. But this all does come back to Deshaun Watson, who I think I already had as a tier one quarterback up with Patrick Mahomes, just those two guys alone. And now I feel even better. He is my QB, too. With, oh, yeah, yeah. Same. Especially with the luck retirement. I do want to ask you about Kenny Stills because I know he is a, a player that you've charted in reception perception. And when I saw this, my immediate thought was like, huh, is this um, because Kenny Stills has worked as a big slot before yep. it is in his tool belt, right? It may not be where he is best utilized, but he does have it in his skill set. So I thought, is this insurance for Will Fuller, who we know has durability issues, or is this more of um more of a problem because of Kiki Cutie, who was supposed to be the slot option and really didn't do his get to do his job last year because of injuries and has is opening the season hurt. So do you think Kenny Stills I mean I know he's got to learn the playbook, yada yada yada, but like do you think that he will be utilized at least while Cutie's out as the big slot guy? Or do you think he's going to sort of hang out on the sidelines until Will Fuller inevitably has a lower leg issue? Yeah, I mean, we're 100% on the same page on this one. I I had the same thought as you when I saw the trade because I think people's instincts at first will be, oh, Will Fuller, you know, he's always hurt, whatever. But most of the Mm-hmm. news on Will Fuller at least has been positive this offseason and you know he's supposed to be a full go for week one it's been Kiki Cutie the one who coming into the year with a lot of negative news re- regarding his health so yeah I- I'm with you that I think this move could certainly be more about that and it's just about having depth because yeah this top three receiver core Hawkins Fuller and Cutie is a really nice looking group on paper but they don't have a lick of real depth behind them now I think Kenny Stills who's like you said, one of my favorite players, especially in terms of a downfield threat, I think him and Will Fuller just posed a lot of problems for opposing defenses. And I mean, the player that people want Kiki Cutie to be, Kenny Stills already is that guy. So yes. I think that this is That's a really a great way to move. say it, Matt. That is the exact way to see it. Every I, I, I totally agree with the fact that People are putting their uh, whatever they're projecting onto Kiki Cutie has been Kenny Stills all along. He just isn't maybe the um, easiest guy to get along with. You know what? F that. He is totally easy to get along with. He just says stuff that people don't necessarily want to hear. And so he gets uh, maybe pushed aside a little bit. Um, at least he had in New Orleans and now again in Miami. But I, I, I agree. So what does this do for you in terms of ranking for fantasy purposes Stills? Yeah, I mean, I think Stills is probably in the same range that he would be in because I think you can kind of you can kind of spin it both ways, right? Like, obviously, I think this is an offensive upgrade. He's going to a much better situation with a much, much, much better quarterback outlook in Houston. He's also probably going to see far less volume than he would in Miami. Also, you know, like you said, it's going to take him time to get up to speed with the playbook and everything like that. Um, but overall, I think that this probably just keeps him in the same range, which is just he's a really good like late round flyer, a best mm-hmm. ball guy. So I think it, it you probably you can break a little bit of ties in favor of the positive outlook with the with the offensive upgrade while also recognizing that it's going to probably be a situation where he sees less volume. Um, just for reference, I put him, I moved him up very slightly, a couple of spots to my wide receiver, 56 and half point PPR. Think Marquise Goodwin, mm-hmm. uh, John Brown territory. 
I yeah, know you just, probably have John Burr higher, but yeah, of course, of course I do. Yeah, yes. you you know yeah. me too well. Just to put <laughs> some numbers uh, behind what you were talking about earlier with him playing in the slot. Over the last three years, he's taken forty percent, forty-seven percent, and thirty-five percent of his uh, snaps from the slot. So yeah, he is that guy that can be sort of a a, a, a two-way guy. You know, play on the outside and also play in inside as well. So I think this just makes the offense overall more dynamic. Get you a man who can do both. We love saying it. You know, who cannot do both? Actually, both running backs. I don't think can do both here. Carlos Hyde also added to the Texans. Imagine that he is going to see some of that brutal, more vicious early down work and protect the smaller Duke Johnson who, come at me, truthers, I still believe is just a change of pace back and evidence in Cleveland. I mean, when you got, when, when Cleveland got Jarvis Landry, they told me exactly what they felt about Duke Johnson. Adding in Carlos Hyde here, I mean, I do think that Duke Johnson, I moved him into like my like RB 35-ish range um, immediately after the Mar- Lamar Miller injury because obviously Bill O'Brien doesn't mind not having a guy who can do it all as his lead back. But I, but I think adding Carlos Hyde here, who people believe is washed, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to start to fight that fight, is here to absorb some of those more um, vicious plays. Would you agree here? I totally agree with you. I think that if you're in on Duke Johnson, which we disagree about Duke I, I, a little bit, I see him as like a top 35 back now and a guy that I'm willing to take as like a RB2 if I go wide receiver heavy. But I think if you are in on that position, this is probably the exact move that you'd want to see the Texans make, which is get a guy that, you know, last year just looked pretty much completely finished. He couldn't catch on in Jacksonville after getting picked up there after starting the year in Cleveland, like putting up some good fantasy numbers, but clearly not maximizing what was there. And overall, I think that Hyde is probably done, but I think he does come in and take some of these grinder carries, and that's fine because you're mostly in on Duke because of his pass-catching value anyway. So I I think that this offense, like I said, in Houston just continues to really excite me. The Tunsil trade is great. I, you know, for, again, throwing out the actual GM part of this uh, and like not having <laughs> not having an adult in the room, which this is why teams employ a GM, right? Is this that your damn head yeah. coach can't go throw two first round picks? At it's problems. almost like it's almost like that job should have different people doing it. Yeah. I don't I don't know why. Like, well, how did that happen? But OK, fine. Yeah. 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 So let's talk. I mean, you're not trying to draft or you're trying to pick up Carlos. Hyde. Let's like nah, tell yeah. the people any of those questions I got on Twitter. yesterday. should I grab Carlos? No, no. No, no, leave him where he's at. He had, he did look great out of the gate when Freddie Kitchens took over the offense. Um, or I'm sorry, when Baker Mayfield was uh, replaced Tyrod, Tyrod under center in Cleveland last year. But I mean, let, let's not, we're not going to, we're not going to mess with Carlos Hyde here. Um, and I do have, for what it's worth, uh, Duke Johnson is my RB 35 right on that line. So Again, with Matt on that one. All right, so let's talk about LaShawn McCoy because, my gosh, um, this was the other big thing that happened. Bills cut him, and the Devin Singletary hype train just flew off the damn rails. People were super excited. Florida Atlantic, what? All over the place. Um, but then Shady said, not yet. I'm not done. Reuniting with Andy Reid, this time in Kansas City. Signed to a whole bunch of money, which I think is the real tilting part because people are like, oh, he's washed. Well, he ain't washed for like, what, four million bucks? Like that's more than uh, Damian Williams is making. So um, let's let's break this one down a little bit. Um, to me, the biggest 
indictment, the adding of McCoy in Kansas City is much more of an indictment on Williams to me than Darwin Thompson, who was the rookie that was catching some some buzz and heat as we were heading into the season. I don't think it's great for either of them, but what I do appreciate is that all summer you and I have been flip-flopping on Williams. We've been open about it, right? Like this is a player that I can't decide. Like I don't really like the talent. I don't really like the sample size, but holy sh- this offense just opens up so many damn holes that it's hard not to fall in love with the situation. Even if I don't really like the guy, then there was a little thing about the hamstring injury. And then it was sort of like, well, the, that lingers. So, but now McCoy being added to the mix helps me have much more of a feeling about Williams. Like I am glad that I kind of passed on him and wouldn't completely bite on the situation. He has fallen down my ranks to the RB20 overall. McCoy, I have at about RB38, 30, yeah, about RB38. And then I've got Thompson at a 49. Yeah, just this morning, Andy Reid said, and, and people will love to hear this. Uh, he says he considers both Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy to be starters. It's a great situation for both them and the football team. <laughs> the football team. <laughs> yeah, the football team. Not your fake football team. Uh, you guys can F off on that one. But yeah, I think that this is this is a situation where people will be tempted to just say completely avoid it. But you can't do that because it's still going to be one of the most productive backfields in fantasy. So you got to take your shots, man. Like you, you've got to try to to make something work in this situation. I was drafting Darwin Thompson just you know an absolute ton right before this news hit, but and I'm okay with that actually. I know there's uh, there's so- I don't think that's that bad, bro. No. Like I mean, McCoy averaged three point two yards per carry, and I know YPC isn't the end all be all of stats. Last year, but he is thirty. He is what thirty-one years old. It's a lot of tread on his tires. Yeah, it's sure the O line is a different situation, and he has a familiarity with that. Also, like, can we stop with the familiarity of the? It's a running back. Like, there's all all of them have the same damn familiarity with the offense. It's one of the most simple positions to learn. That's why rookies do so well coming out of the gate. Anyway, I think taking Darwin Thompson, I am not convinced that a la 2018, we know that Reed has no problem running a rookie, even if that rookie fumbles on the opening drive of week one, goddammit. Like, that is, he's okay with it. This is what he happened with Kareem Hunt. And it would not surprise me if uh, Williams did not stay healthy or did not improve on last year and kind of lost favor the way we've seen, for instance, Spencer Ware do. If McCoy ended up getting hurt and that backfield eventually became came Thompson's around November. A hundred percent with you on that one. Like Williams obviously has, we've, we've said it all summer. He has no resume. He's a, pretty much mostly an unknown. LaShawn McCoy. I, I think he was visibly in decline last year. You know, Andy Reed doesn't think he's washed, which is the most important thing here. Like Reed will, he obviously, but obviously wanted his presence on the team. So it, he's sure. going to get work, but Thompson still could be, the best back on this team for fantasy by year's end. I'm completely okay with it. Like, I mean, man, like look at some of these drafts that are, I mean, some of these backs that are going off the board, you know, around round nine, round 10, you're taking shots on complete clowns at this point. So I'm, I'm very okay with getting a guy who has risen up the depth chart, made a guy that they paid a signing bonus to and Carlos Hyde completely expendable because of the work he did all summer. I'm fine taking that guy. And, you know, again, being patient with it. Cause I still think, that all three of these guys are probably going to play. So Thompson might have sure. a little bit of standalone value. And if not, like, who gives a shit? 
I, I, ru- I ruined a ninth round pick. I don't care. It, 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 I've done worse things. The worst part. That's true. The worst part about Thompson is the fact that like you're going to you're going to be tempted to keep him on your roster until November, until something pops, right? Like the worst thing that could happen, I think, is that you're like forced to drop him because of injuries and buys and shit going sideways. And then he blows up at the end of the season and you're like, oh, what could have been? He could have been mine or you blow your fab budget on him or someone else gets him off waivers, right? That's the toughest part of this. Sure. Full Nick Chubb. Um, let's talk about last thing, Josh Gordon reinstated for week one. And then I can't believe I let you, Matt, gaslight me, perhaps not for the first time, into thinking that Demarius Thomas could potentially have a role on this damn offense. Hey, he's back. He's back. He's he's re-signed with the team. There's a this is it, he it, was it, cut and then re-signed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. That's that's yeah. real promise. Yeah. Real promise. Hey, there. Cleveland just cut and, re, and is going to re-sign their starting left tackle. So you know, that's cr- true. crazier things have happened. But I mean, I think that this this right now still it's a great situation for Josh Gordon. He's the you know number one or number two receiver on this team, and I still think Thomas probably plays a little bit of a role. But you know, we weren't saying draft Demarius Thomas. Like, damn, we're not that stupid. Uh, so we'll, <laughs> we'll add in that Nikhil Harry is placed on um, the boomerang IR. I think that overall, this offense is in a much better position than where we thought it was, you know, three Man. or four weeks ago. Naturally, the rich get richer. Congratulations, New England fans. Uh, but Josh Gordon is the guy we're still loving. Demarius Thomas, don't, don't. And Nikhil Harry, hey, maybe next year. Um, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, all right. So Matt, should we now just throw it back to Brett and get back to the show that we recorded on Friday so that we can get back to our last uh, weekend of freedom? Brett, I promise that as I'm out having a wonderful time at the beach today, I will uh, drink some rosé in your honor and maybe pour a little bit out in the sand for you. Yeah, you. T- yeah, me too, buddy. We're, we're thinking of you. Thanks, guys. I need it. And uh, apologies to the audience for doing this. But let's. Oh, please. Let's the audience transi- doesn't need to get any apologies. They're getting a, they're they getting should, more content. They should. They're getting more content. Really? Give me a break. They should. But hang on just a few seconds. We'll be back after the break with a podcast that sounds like a normal podcast. Because we were speaking about Julian Edelman and the, as you very well put, um, his clearly defined role, the Patriots, as a slot receiver, these PPR dynamos often have very obvious roles, defined roles. Quarterbacks love them in checking down moments. Um, And there are a couple of these guys. There's not just a couple. There's quite a few of these guys who have, over the past few years, had moments, usually when other things break down, (laughs) but they've been elevated from a fantasy perspective. And so... They've all been the next Julian Edelman at some point. (laughs) That is a perfect way to put it. Well done. Um, And they've rotated in and out of relevance. But they are guys that you often hear analysts say, in the last round of your draft, take a flyer on this bozo. This guy, everybody's got to take on how this guy can catch 100 100 passes. There's there's a way. Let's go through some of those, those guys and maybe... 
I don't know if you want to rank them. I or think we you, should. We rank should them. rank them. Okay. Can I can I make a couple additions to this list before we start? I mean, it would have been great if you did that. Probably an hour ago. Pro- probably. But uh, what about sure, Matt? What, <laughs> what about a guy like Deshaun Hamilton? Does do you think he belongs in this list, or do you see him above that? I don't care about him. Okay. Well, then we won't put him on the list. Never mind then. Go ahead. I mean, you can add him. I mean, Give me your honorable guess, mention. I guess we're just going to rank him at the end. I guess we're just going to follow the outline that our producer Listen, made Matt doesn't for open us. or read I the outlines. opened nope. this outline. I will At 11.59, Brett. You're, you're right about that. Yesterday's outline, or excuse me, Thursday's podcast outline, I opened up very early. And I wrote my two names on it. It is just Matt Harmon's world. But he didn't read the email it saying it would be in a, located in a different room than can the you usual at least podcast. give me like 50 percent credit yeah. that's can still enough that's still enough matthew well i look all I'm, the back slaps I'm all not, right uh, so, so we're so deshaun hamilton last place who else we got that's it i don't have any more i just wanted to get that one in there paris campbell would have been an interesting name on this list if not for uh andrew luck you know deciding to exit he is healthy up. did some stuff all right so who's your number one so the list of humans that we are ranking Adam Humphreys, Hunter Renfro, Cole Beasley, Trey Quinn, Jamison Crowder, Willie Sneed, and Deshaun Hamilton. Who's your favorite? Deshaun Hamilton. That's why. Great. So talk about him. I mean, I love Deshaun Hamilton, the player, obviously. Look, the air definitely came out of his balloon when Emmanuel Sanders, you know, came back and is healthy. But if you look at Hamilton, he's a guy that at least, you know, unlike his teammate, you know, Cortland Sutton, who everyone you know, not everyone, but there's a lot of people that really like Cortland Sutton, right? Um, at least when Deshaun Hamilton was given a shot, he produced last year, unlike his teammate who just kind of floundered around out there. You know, he had seven, seven, six, five catches to end the year in the last four weeks, two touchdowns in that span. I think that Flacco is going to – did I spend $5 on Joe Flacco in our auction last week? I wasn't paying attention to yes, what you I did. Yes, I did. And uh, I do I feel good about it? No, I don't. But I am kind of coming around on the idea that the Broncos' offense could at least be functional. I don't think they're going to have to do much because I think their defense could be really good. But, you know, a little bit of short passing game action, Deshaun Hamilton there. I think he's the—he's probably not as likely to get a ton of volume as some of these other guys are. But, like, I don't see that scenario. But I think if you're just talking about a guy who can do more with that less, I think he's my favorite. It is a better segue for me to not talk about my immediate favorite, but I do— and I've spoken about this guy throughout the summer and spring. Summer, mostly. Cortland Sutton's old teammate at mm-hmm. SMU, Trey Quinn. He's got a little thumb issue, but like, I don't know. It's Washington. He's hurt. Chuck. Right. I just think, who who else is there? Chris Chris Thompson. Like yeah. in, in that short passing game, Chris Thompson, who has started one game in his six-year career and who has managed to play 16 games one year yeah. in his six-year career. I I think Trey Quinn was a monster when in college when Cortland Sutton was pulling defensive attention on the outside. The issue is that I don't think there's a receiver that's going to pull any defensive attention, at least, you know, important defensive attention. (laughs) So, but that is going to allow Trey Quinn behind another offensive line that isn't good, that still, you know, is is likely going to have Trent Williams sitting out. Um, and Flowers isn't going to fix this. Nope. Um, you've got Case Keenum opening the season, and that is a quarterback that loves to check down. He has a 3.7 air yards per attempt average, and that was 24th or 26th among quarterbacks last year in, in 2018. So not good. We know what Case does. Again, I don't know if I, like, want to 
mess with anybody on this offense. But if you are in a PPR friendly league and you're looking for someone who's free or you just want to throw someone out, I I like Trey Quinn. And I think he could be one of those less lesser talked about players. Uh, I like Hunter Renfro just a little bit more than So Trey he Quinn. was my number one ranked guy. But for the sake of uh, efficiency, I talked about Quinn. But yes, I have H- Hunter Renfro at the top of my list. Um, do you have a projection for him? I think he's probably about a 55 to 60 catch player, which is not bad. Can, you know, if I have you're 61. Looking, yeah, I mean, I think that's totally fair. The issue is, I mean, again, I think there's going to be a lot of passing volume to go around in Oakland because they're, they're first half of the season is brutal schedule wise um you know and their lines banged up and not good theory it's not good and banged up yeah it's funny because it's like it could be a good line in theory but it's definitely not and it's banged up and tom cable's the coach which is why it's probably not good um they did just sign their center to a three-year extension rodney hudson who's a good player but they have like clear defined weaknesses on the offensive line the the bottom line is it's probably not going to be a good unit and I, but I like the way this receiver core sets up. I think Renfro is a guy that, like, talk about drumbeat, like, right away made a good impression in Oakland. He's only continued to get pop. Um, he looks he, like it was clear about a month ago that he was going to be the starting slot receiver. And we on have this been team. talking about him for a while. Exactly. So I think I'm in on if Antonio Brown is there and he's one of the few actual, like, coverage dictators in the NFL to me, like, the defense must do things to stop him. I think double coverage, things like that tend to be overstated and and more talked about than you actually see on the NFL field. But Antonio Brown, one of the few players who dictates coverages. I really like Tyrell Williams on the other side and then Renfro in the middle of the field is really interesting. I mean, this Oakland passing game is intriguing. Darren Waller's there too. I'm not ruling out that this unit is more productive, maybe not good, but more productive than I think it's getting credit for. I think there's also rapport issues here. Because A.B. and Derek Carr haven't worked together. And I also don't think that Derek Carr's skill set is going to please the diva that A.B. is. Um, this is a player. A.B. is a player who, you know, was improing routes in order to make Roethlisberger force plays to him and the high the high value targets to him. Uh, that's not going to happen with Derek Carr. And you've seen on Hard Knocks, if you're watching it, I have not caught up. Yeah, me neither. Um, that Hunter Renfro and Derek Carr talk about like hairlines and proposals and bro stuff, all I that, guess. All that cute, I don't know. Cute I'm sure they're stuff. drinking like trulies together and having themselves a time. Sheesh. But I do think that Hunter Renfro could be this year's Cooper Cup, this year's Anthony Miller without the touchdowns. And that that's it. I have him projected for 61 catches, 825 yards, and five touchdowns. Yeah, I think that he feels a lot like one of the other guys that we had on this list, but they're the last year version of Adam Humphreys. Like, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of intriguing players in the offense, and but Humphreys was the guy that Humphreys talked- was part of a quartet though, and I don't I I, I think that Renfro was going to see more immediate volume than Humphreys. I think you kind of forget how much volume Adam Humphreys at times was seeing last year. I mean, the guy did catch almost 80 passes. But a lot of that happened after OJ Howard was banged up. This is true, but I think, you know, Darren Waller, I'm in on. Tyrell Williams, I'm in on. But um, I just think there's a chance that Humphrey, he sees the role that Humphreys ended up landing himself in. Let's talk about Humphreys. I mean, he was, as you mentioned, a top 30 wide receiver in half point PPR. Mm -hmm. So in full point PPR, obviously even better than that. Um, Problem, obviously, is that there aren't going to be many passing opportunities in Tennessee. 
top 10 rush attempts in 2018, um, but he is working with two quarterbacks, if you want to count Ryan Tannehill, who like to play it safe, um, need security blankets. He has shown chemistry. Well, that was a couple of puff pieces in July or something with Marcus Mariota. I think also another problem here is that, like, Deion Lewis— yeah, and can and can um, I I would take Deion Lewis ahead of Adam Humphreys and AJ Brown could in theory kind of do some of this stuff too. Um, so my question to you, I think we're both you know down on Humphreys because his volume isn't really going to be fantasy relevant. So over under forty eight receptions. Over, but I have met fifty five. Okay, I'm at fifty. Yeah. Yeah. So not by much. No. Um and, and I also have, ten yards per reception. Oh, I, have, I got him under. Yeah. <laughs> I got him at nine point eight. Okay, I had him at ten. <laughs> I was I was like fifty five hundred yeah. four. I wouldn't even give him the five TDs, just four. Yeah, I gave him two. Okay. Uh, I mean, I got Mariota throwing friggin' 20 if he plays all uh, all, right. all the games. So not a lot to go around here in Tennessee. This is another offense we're just off just, on. Yeah, probably. So Ben Jones, that center, that center is, is a fun guy to I'm in on the running follow. game. I'm completely out on the passing game. I'm drafting Derrick Henry, and I'm drafting Deion Lewis. I think I got Deion Lewis for like three bucks in that auction league. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that because it was like when I started to run out of money, and I was like, oh, that's nice. That's a good pickup. Mm. Um, and then... Cole Beasley, if we, I, I think it's important to mention him because I have gotten questions because there were reports saying that Josh Allen was openly referring to Cole Beasley as his quote safety valve. Yeah. So when you hear a quarterback, a starting quarterback talking about a receiver as his main guy, you start to have fantasy, you start to have fantasy fantasies. Fantasy fantasies. Right. Um, and thinking, Trademark huh, that name. could that be realistic? But again, when I look at the passing opportunity in this offense, I, I, it's nothing. Like, could Cole Beasley lead this team in receptions? Absolutely, but that don't mean. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, I, I think actually that it's funny. Like him and Humphreys, Beasley and Humphreys, they both like had pretty good preseasons. Mm-hmm. But like these guys always have good preseasons. You know, these little water bug slot receiver guys because defenses aren't scheming to stop them. You know, there's just like cool. Have have Adam Humphreys pile up six for fifty eight. Have Cole Beasley pile up seven for sixty two. Who cares? It's the right. damn preseason. But I do actually think that Cole Beasley, while he gets like no real fantasy pub, I think he could in ease- real life. Oh yeah, I think he helps out. It, it, yeah. The skill set doesn't quite merge. You think with like a slot receiver and then like Josh Allen. But I also think from a completion percentage perspective, because the media is obsessed with completion percentage, like he's going to help out Josh Allen's completion percentage because he's just an easy short layup target. But I don't see why his outlook is any different than Jamison Crowder's outlook. And people are like actually thirsty for Jamison Crowder. Because Jamison Crowder is on a team that has superstars now and is in a giant market. And because Jamison Crowder made some noise in the opening moments while people were still paying attention of a preseason game. Yeah, very fair. I have them projected for pretty similar lines. Mm-hmm. I, have both for, I have Crowder for 43, Cole Beasley for 41 catches. I do have Crowder for more yardage because he's actually— Better after the catch. Yeah, yep. Better after the catch and, a ver- and vertically, too. That was during his breakout, I think, 2016 season. Um, he actually showed some ability to shake loose down the field um, with Kirk Cousins there in Washington. But So we're both on the same page, though, in terms of Hunter Renfro seeing the most. Like, I have Hunter Renfro seeing the most catches. Adam Humphreys, uh, I had him at 50, Adam 48. Cole Beasley and Trey Qu- I'm sorry, Cole Beasley and Jameson Crowder, I both have under 45 catches. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, so I, I just— 
the point there is just like I'm not really interested in spending a last round pick on like Jamison Crowder, super late in best ball. But like the the thing that worries me so much about the damn uh, sorry Jets offense is cannibalizing my, each other. Well, is is also how much of the pie is there going to be to go around? Like. Yeah, everybody can eat each other's slice, but like, how big are these slices going to be? Because you think about, like, I just, I am very worried about the fact that whenever Adam Gase has called plays not with Peyton Manning, they've been outside the top 15 in plays run per game. And especially in Miami, it was especially rough. I mean, they, I think they were 22nd, 18, and 32nd last year in plays run. So I'm just worried that if this offense, while they have some players, if they're a slow paced, like methodic offense, I'm not interested in any of these like ancillary guys. I think that's a good I'm just sitting I'm I'm thinking about whether or not that would make sense because Adam Gase has said that he wants to go more up tempo. And again, everybody likes to say stuff until the games actually happen, right? But he has said that he's wanted to go more up tempo, but hasn't, in true Adam Gase bus throw fashion, had the talent. Very cool. <laughs> that's your Ryan, bro. Ryan not your bro, but that's no, that bro. That's not my man's. <laughs> New York, that's yours. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, God, maybe there's more. Maybe there's better smelling salts in New York. And God love those he's just going to uh, light it up. So I, I hear you. I just think that he does have more talent now. And so Very I am fair. intrigued to see what he will do with that improved talent that he has to work with. Yeah, I think it's at least worth being open-minded for now my my second favorite guy on this list we haven't talked about yet it's willie sneed i have him pulled up here yeah i mean sneed to me i actually have projected for over 580 yards and um i haven't i haven't like we're talking about um cole beasley and jameson crowder guys i have at like 64 62 targets adam humphreys at 77 but i got willie sneed over 80 53 catches, 586 yards. How do you negotiate? So let me get, because I will say that Willie Sneed, I have a big circle around because I want to like him more, but I also have started to like Justice Hill so much more. And we've all talked about the number of rushing plays. But when I look back at Willie Sneed, who I think just got a bad rap in New Orleans. um, I'm still, I'm still tilted over, over that uh, start to the 2017 season. Over the last four games of 2018, he caught 11 of Jackson's 52 completions and managed a true catch rate of over 87%, which was wide receiver 22 for that category. You can't deny the fact that he's got fly trap hands, right? He's got technical savvy. I'm, I'm sure you've reception perceptioned him. Oh yeah. Um, Good, great, great seasons in 2015 and 2016. I I am having trouble negotiating the lack of reports about him, frankly. Like, there's not been a whole lot said about him. Not that that means anything, but we haven't. I feel like whenever there's something, especially during uh, the dead period, people want to make it into something bigger. I haven't heard much about him. And I have really started to fall in love with Justice Hill, Mm -hmm. who has the pass catching prowess to make to to make a dent in Sneed's volume. Maybe not that much, but I just, and and then I just think about the passing opportunities and I, yeah, it's hard for me to negotiate all of those things into one category. I've taken him late in a couple of best ball. Uh, yeah, a couple of best balls earlier in the season. And then even in some, some obviously PPR friendly redraft leagues late. Cause I just, I just dig him, but I don't know how sound it is. Yeah. I really, so I really just like this Ravens offense in general. I've said that do. many times, yeah. but I mean, I'm in on Miles Boykin late. I'm in on Justice Hill late. I'm in on Willie Sneed late. I'm in on Mark Andrews is fine where he goes. Sure. 
And any Hollywood love just while we're on the topic? I'm more just like, let's see. Let's see him get I'll something. Let's see him get yep. rolling. He's not a guy. I'm, I'm like, I'm spending a late pick on Miles Boykin over spending a late pick on uh, Marquise Brown. Because f- for as exciting as Brown is, as much as we liked him, I, I, these were my two favorite receivers in this draft was Marquise Brown and, and Miles Boykin. They end up on the same team. Boykin's been around and like looks like he's in line to start, uh, which is pretty exciting. But I think the reason that you wouldn't hear um, so much about Willie Sneed is in compared to all these guys, and you know this is totally like me spinning a narrative here. So feel free to think it's bull if uh, anyone out there I would never <laughs> think one of your thoughts is bull. Cool, Liz. Uh, so I think that like if you look at these guys, he stands out as the one like old, boring statesman. So like, why would he be getting sure. pub when there's like young, exciting guys to be hyping up? I, I again, maybe no. I mean that, that's valid. I just feel like. I would have I would love for Lamar Jackson to say something awesome about how he's yeah. been the veteran who's really helped him along or really he's been working on checking down to him as part of his skill set. I just I would love one of those reports. It's all I mean, again, yeah. I'm still taking him late sure. because I can't deny his talent. I just I just don't I'm I am optimistic about him because I want to be versus there being more facts available for me. And I think you could probably say the same for me. All right. Well, on that note, what was your projection for him, just so you? I have um, over 580 yards and over 50 catches. Okay. I think he's, of all of these guys, I think he's the least, like, this is probably why I have him and Deshaun Hamilton as one and two, is because I think he is the least, like, actual, just, like, pop gun sort of sure. bunny hop catch guys. Which and the of rest these of them, is not like the others. Yeah, and those two stand out to me. It's, it's something They could be something more. Brett? Yes. Do we have any voicemails? Today? We have two. We haven't done any for a few episodes. So we're going to do two today coming out of the holiday weekend. The first one is from an old friend. Good morning. It's Leo Simonis again from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Thank you for playing my take and partially taking my advice. Brad Evans did pay me via PayPal to make those comments. Uh, no disrespect to Liz and Matt. Love the show overall. And I do have a keeper slash rankings question this time. I have five good keepers, David Johnson, Joe Mixon, James Conner, Keenan Allen, and Amari Cooper. In the first round of my draft, I'm looking at uh, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson, and OJ Howard. Looking which direction you guys would suggest I go. Thanks. Keep up the great work. Easy answer for me. Go for it. Uh, OJ Howard. As the first round pick? Yes. Okay. But this... These keepers, he has he's to, he gets them to keep all of I guess, them. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That was the part of it that I. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He's keeping I guess, them all. I, yeah. I guess he keep five people in this league. I don't know. Any thoughts? He didn't give many details. Any thoughts to DJ Moore over OJ Howard? I've just no. I, yeah. I, I just think when it, I've been on the clock in drafts, like I'm actually willing to take all of these guys in the fifth round. Like in a theoretical sense, I have not taken DJ Moore or Allen Robinson anywhere. I've taken Allen Robinson more than DJ Moore, but. I think from like a keeper's keeper perspective, more might be more valuable than Robinson, but I don't know that that's necessarily lead true. Towards the Howard ceiling. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like when in the fifth round, when I actually am, my ass has actually been on the clock. I've been taking OJ Howard with like a lot of excitement. Also, when I look at the roster construction, I mean, if he's keeping Keenan, Keenan Allen and Amari Cooper, like DJ Moore and Allen Robinson, seem they're just like threes. Yeah. You have you have much more. Much bigger chance at like big impact with uh, OJ Howard. Yep. All right. Last call of the day. Hey, what's up, Matt and Liz? Love the show so far. Got a question for Boy Young Boy. How do you evaluate talent 
and return yards leagues are guys like Jakeem Grant. How would you value those dudes and receivers? Uh, you know, where do you put them? How do you rank them? How do you look at them season long? And this is from uh, at your boy, the Johnny Kilroy on Twitter, BYB. So how do you, um, so Matt, how do you evaluate Jakeem? I have no idea. I've never played in a return yards league before. Have you? I think our big money auction draft is a return yards league. What, really? Yeah. Oh, so that Flacco pick isn't going to help. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it really? I mean, there's lots of bonuses. Is Christian Kirk, I didn't know that. Is Christian Kirk returning punts anywhere? Come on, let's get him out there. I spent 10 bucks on him. I, I honest to God, I, I've never played in, in a return yards league. I don't know. Oh, no, actually, <laughs> actually, let me take that back. Looks like your boy, young boy, don't know. <laughs> Snaps. Actually, let me take that back. I did one time have my have my idiot friend Gordon, who actually just had a baby last week. So, congrats to Gordon. Oh, my apologies. Um, yeah, for for uh, for having a child. Would never have thought that would have happened when we were together in college. But, um, anyways, he was the commissioner of our fantasy league our senior year that we lived together, and he did put a return yards bonus in. And let me tell you, I hated it. There was some guy. I can't remember what I think his name was like Darius Renard or something like he used to play for the Vikings and then he played for um, and then he played for the Titans uh, and he was like had this just just kick returner stupid it was awful I hated it because you could use him as like a flex player so my my take here is don't play in these leagues but if I can like make a recommend recommendation I know that Adam Harstad, football guys writer, does like a lot of work with return uh, yardage league. So you can at Adam Harstad on Twitter and ask him about it. Darius Raynaud on the 2012 Tennessee Titans in week three against the Lions set a franchise record by returning 105 yards touchdown in the fourth quarter. And in the same game threw a lateral pass which resulted in a touchdown. See, I know that because I remember facing Gordon in that league and losing that week because of that stupid, because he's like, oh, this like week one, he's like, oh, this guy put up a lot. Of, just like classic looking at the points, right? Like he looks at the points like, oh, classic yeah. Gordon, classic Gordon. And he oh, looks Gordon. At, looks at the damn uh, like, oh, this guy put up a lot of points. I'll start in this week. And it's only because he added that stupid kick return bonus. And I lose that week because of that. Like awful. So that's my that's my take on return yardage leagues. And again, congratulations, Gordon, on the birth of your child. Darius Reynard hasn't played since 2014, so he is Hall of Fame eligible. Just want to <laughs> just want to put that out there. To the terrific to uh, the people, the powers that be. Well, shout out to Gordon and to the listeners who will be playing with Matt and Brett in the listener league. Do you want to give us an update? I can officially say that if you have not been contacted over the weekend about the Listener League, you're not in the Listener League. I sent out uh, requests for everyone's emails. We will be drafting early this week. Um, it's going to be a blast. Brett is probably the favorite to win the league right now. We will not be having a, a damn kick uh, yardage bonus. I'll tell you that. Kick, kick yardage. Kick yardage bonus. We're not gonna <laughs> we should, there should be yardage for kicks for how long you no, kick the ball. No, no. Kicks are out. We're, no, we're not doing any kickers. No kickers. Okay. No kickers, but we are doing super flex, so that'll be fun. I mean, you guys, but what if what about a kicker? Punt? What if a kicker tackles someone? Yeah, that's oh, extra. hasn't that? I've never seen so many people so concerned about wow. kicker tackling. What oh. about punt height? Is that can we get that scored? 
Hey, you know, speaking of punt height, I'm going to punt our way out of this show because I'm done with it. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.